message this afternoon is inside out. So many things in the kingdom of God are backwards to the world. And actually, what we ought to say is that it is the world that is backwards to God. The world operates backwards to God's original plan in so many ways. And the problem is that if we don't study the Bible and renew our minds, not only to what the Bible says, but also to the ways of God and how God operates, we can end up trying to do things for God or trying to re receive things from God the world's way instead of God's way. Now, we set things in motion in our lives without even knowing it for good and for bad. As many of you know, I faced a health challenge back in September and I beat it over the course of four weeks. Immediately, I went to what Sue and I call a word fast. That's nothing but the Bible, books about the Bible or things to watch about the Bible. I upped my prayer time 50% and I stopped praying. I went to praising God and singing to God instead. It took 28 days, but I completely beat the biggest health challenge of my life. Well, since I was doing all these things that seemed so effective, I decided to stay in the zone and get three things from the past healed as well. So later, the week before anniversary Sunday, I was out walking and praying one day, and I said to the Lord, not in an intimidating way, but just as a statement of fact, everything else is on hold until I get these three things from the past knocked out. And he immediately responded and said, nothing is on hold, and he was emphatic. Then as I was preparing for the anniversary Sunday message, the act of faith, I came across this passage again, Matthew 12, 33. Matthew 12, 33, make a tree good and its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. So let me ask you, where do the good things of life come from? The good things of life come from within the man, from inside of a man. And this is why you have to renew your mind to the word of God. Verse 36, but I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words... You will be acquitted, and by your words, you'll be condemned. And then I realized this is what Father God meant when he told me nothing is on hold. For you see, faith had already been set in motion for the things I'd been praying about before that health challenge on September 14, 2022. Faith is a force. Faith is is a mighty moving river and faith sets in motions and faith sets events in motion long before they actually come to pass. Now, let me say that over. Faith is a force. Faith is a mighty moving river and faith sets events in motion long before they actually come to pass. Now, the principle makes Deuteronomy 28 make even more sense. Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 and 2, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come upon you. All these blessings will accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. In other words, if you will dare to do things God's way. All these blessings will come upon you if you will dare to do things God's way. All these blessings will accompany you all the days of your life. Prosperity and success are all about what's on the inside of a man. Hence my title today, 
inside out. Prosperity and success are all about what's on the inside of a man. Success and prosperity flow out of a man from the faith that's at work on the inside of that man. An obvious example of this is Ephesians 3, 20, 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So let me ask you, where is that power released from? According to his power that is at work within us. Where is that power released from? From within us, from within the believer. Hence, Jesus said, Matthew 12, 33 and 35, make a tree good and its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is recognized by its fruit. Verse 35, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. You see, we're constantly trying to change the fruit. And what we ought to be doing is changing the tree. Now listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. We are constantly trying to change the fruit. And what we ought to be doing is changing the tree. Today's message is about changing the tree. You want different fruit in your life? All right, then change the tree. Where, where do good things come from? The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, stored up in him. The good things of life don't come from out there somewhere. The good things of life come from within a man. Say it out loud. The good things of life do not come from out there somewhere. The good things of life come from within a man. And this is why we have to guard what we allow to go inside of us. This is why Jesus said in Luke 8, 18, consider carefully how you listen. You understand, of course, 2,000 years ago, they didn't have TV sets. So the only way people could take in information was reading or hearing. And Jesus said, consider carefully how you listen. This is why Solomon wrote in Proverbs 4:23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of, of life. Why? Because for the believer, the power of God, the ability of God is released from within the believer. For the believer, the power of God, the ability of God is released from within the believer. Now we can only change our lives by changing how we think, and we can only change our lives by changing what we do. When we renew our minds to the word of God and do what God's word says to do, we set in motion a positive future. We don't even realize we're doing it. But what we listen to, by what we listen to and by what we believe and by what we do, we are ordering our future. You know, you sit down in a restaurant and you order your lunch. You sit in you, you go to a store and you order a suit. You set it in motion. That doesn't mean you have it right away, but you set it in motion. And we don't even realize we're doing it. But by what we listen to and by what we believe and by what we do, we are ordering our future. By what we listen to and by what we believe and by what, by what we do, we are setting up in advance whether curses are coming to us or whether blessings are coming to us. This all by itself explains why a life of faith gets easier year by year and why a life of fear and doubt gets harder year by year. Because when even a believer lives a life of fear and doubt, they are setting in motion 
and they are placing their order for trouble. And trouble's coming. But when we live a life of faith and we renew our minds to the word of God and we just have the gumption to do what God's word says do and do things God's way, then we are putting in the order and we are setting in, setting in motion blessings coming down the road toward us. For there is a cumulative impact to a life of faith. And there is a cumulative impact to a life of fear and doubt. Changing our lives begins by changing our minds. I said changing our lives begins by changing our minds. Changing our minds about whom to marry. Changing our minds about money. Changing our minds about child rearing. Changing our minds about literally everything. When a saved person does not renew their mind to the word of God, how can they walk in the blessing of the Lord? I've witnessed it my whole life. Save people broke. Save people sick. Save people divorced. Save people whose children marry sinners. Save people whose children turn from God. We must renew our minds to the word of God. We have to change the way we think in order to change our lives for the better. Now listen, I'm headed somewhere with this. The natural inclination is to see something over there and chase it or see, see a woman over here and chase her or see a job over here and chase it or see money and chase it. But the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. It's not a matter of chasing. It's a matter of bringing it forth. You know, this generation is so lunatic, they think men can give birth. Well, I guess I'm preaching that today. But I'm not talking about giving birth to a baby. I'm talking about giving birth to a, a business, giving birth to a, you know, a paid off home, giving birth to a, a, a million bucks in the bank, giving birth to visions and dreams. Amen. Say it out loud, the good man, out of the good stored up in him, brings forth good things. We must renew our minds to the word of God. We have to change the way we think in order to change our lives for the better. To change the fruit, we must change the tree. Now, I know this sounds, you know, so many of the teachings and parables of Jesus, man, you got to meditate on it a decade or so to get it. How in the world do you change the tree? Well, thank God, thank God, thank God. By the renewing of our minds, by the written word of God, we can change the tree. Amen. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed. Pastor, how can I transform my life? How can I transform my bank balance? How can I transform my marriage? Transform. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12, 1 and 2, by the way, proves that it is possible to be saved and yet remain conformed to this world. This is why many born-again people live, walk, talk, think, and act just like the world. They're born again, yet they act like the world. They're born again, but they believe like the world. They're born again, but they talk like the world. This is why there is a lack of success in the body of Christ, and this is why there is a lack of prosperity in the body of Christ. Paul was not writing to the sinners in Rome. He was writing to the Christians at Rome. Yet he said it was necessary for them to offer their bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, as a spiritual act of worship. Even though they were born again, Paul exhorted them to not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of their minds to the word of God. Then Paul says they would be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
This is the key to success in life for the believer. I'm not talking about the unbeliever. This is the key to success in life for the believer. There are no shortcuts. If you're still involved in fornication, adultery, pornography, sexual fantasies, envy, jealousy, strife, etc., then you are still conformed to the image of this world. This is exactly in why born-again people, people are born again and yet sick. This is exactly why people are born again yet in lack. This is exactly why people are born again and yet unsuccessful in marriage. They're born again. Their spirit man is saved, but they're still so much like the world in their beliefs, their speech, and their conduct that they are reaping what the world reaps. In short, the word of God is not working for them. Paul said to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I guess what I'm really talking about is sowing and reaping. And I, I've come across them, you know, in two months, I will have been preaching the gospel 50 years and I've come across them by the thousands. And they're born again, and, and they, but they don't get why they're reaping the wrong stuff. It is possible to be born again and reap the wrong stuff. And the way we change that is do what Jesus said, we change the fruit by changing the tree. And how do we change the tree? We change the tree by transforming ourselves. And how do we transform ourselves? By renewing our minds to the word of God. The word there in Romans 12, transformation, means metamorphosis. The Greek word is actually metamorpho. It means complete and total change. It means ceasing to be one thing and becoming another. Ceasing to become one, ceasing becoming one thing and becoming another. I said ceasing being one thing and becoming another. <laughs> the Lord's giving me an illustration. I'm, I'm mulling over whether or not to share it. I guess the very fact I admitted that says I ought to. But you know, in 1989, I went to the Lord in prayer and I, I thought I was praying. I wasn't praying, I was complaining. And I said, Lord, I'm, I'm tired of not ever having any money. And, and the Lord didn't say, son, I got it covered. FedEx will be there by 10 o'clock and there'll be a packet with some cash in it. He didn't say that. He said, son, you never have any money because you never save any money. What he was saying is, son, you have been reaping the wrong stuff in life because you have not yet changed the tree. Now, that's not what he said, but now all these years later, that's the way I see it in the rearview mirror. And so we began working on ourselves, and we began changing our confession. And he told me to save something every seven days, even if it was just $5. And we began to, to, to make some changes and some improvements. Didn't happen overnight. But uh, a year or two later, man, we got serious. And I started studying Fred Price's 55-part series on the power of a positive confession. And we, we got tough with ourselves with our mouths. What were we doing? We were changing the tree. Now we had some money. We had some money in IRAs, but I couldn't get to it. I mean, we had a little bit of money in some IRAs, but other than that, we didn't have anything. See, what I'm saying is, I mean, I was a poor man. I was born again. I was faithful to my wife. I was a tither. I was in the ministry, but I didn't have anything. And I don't know about you, but I, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I didn't like it, I didn't like it, I didn't like it. I, di I didn't like having to try and find shoes on sale and suits on sale and, 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 you know, stay at some old crummy, crappy place on vacation. I didn't like it. But we began to work on ourselves and we began to batten down the hatch on our confession. What were we doing? We didn't know it at the time. I see it now, but I didn't see it then. We were changing the tree. And I changed the tree. And I became a wealthy man on the inside before it ever showed up on the outside. Are you hearing me, brothers? I became a wealthy man on the inside before it ever showed up on the outside. 
and the world will judge you for this and criticize you for this. I had people back up at I-30. I would stand up to receive offerings and I would say all of our needs are met. The Lord, my God's meeting all of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. We're being made rich in every way so that we can be generous on every occasion. And some people that maybe knew a, a thing or two would come up and say, now, pastor, you know, you're not really telling the truth. You know, uh, we're not really doing so great financially. How they knew, I don't know. But, you know, if anybody knows something, they tend to tell it. And so, you know, they would, they would complain and criticize. And I would say, look, how can I tell a lie saying what God has said about my life? Amen. And I held, the, I held the ground. And I stood firm. I changed the tree. Metamorpho. So this is the total change a caterpillar goes through when it becomes a butterfly. This is not just a little progression. This is a complete change, a complete transformation. Metamorphosis doesn't mean just learning a little more or doing a little better. Consider what the Apostle John wrote in 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. We will prosper in life even as our soul prospers. Say it out loud. We will prosper in life, prosper in life. even as our soul prospers. And remember, your soul is not born again. Therefore, you have to do something with your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. To renew the mind is like changing a diaper. A dirty diaper does not simply need to be refreshed. It needs to be changed. A dirty diaper does not need to be sprayed with air freshener. It needs to be changed. Our minds need to be changed. Our patterns of thinking need to be changed. Many Christians today are not really renewing or changing their thoughts and their thought patterns. They are simply trying to cover up their same old way of thinking by putting on a happy face when they come to church. But at home and on the job and during the week, they're the same old person. So we have Christians who are depressed. We have Christians in therapy. We have Christians divorcing. We have Christians drinking. We have Christians committing adultery. We have Christians using drugs. And we have Christians committing suicide to make a change in our thinking, we must find out how God wants us to think and what God wants us to think about. So we go to the Word, and it is the Word which tells us how and what to think, what to say, and what to do. Philippians 4, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now notice the word specifically says, think about such things. So the word actually does tell us what to think about. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable or praiseworthy, think about such things. As we continue to renew our minds, eventually our thought patterns will be renewed and the old patterns will fade away. As we work at renewing our minds, eventually the new way of thinking will supersede the old and the old patterns will pass away. As we renew our minds, we recognize negative thinking, confess it as sin, decide to change it, and then replace those thoughts with the thoughts of God. By an act of the will, we decide to think about what is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, or whatever is excellent or praiseworthy. Now listen, brothers, this is a lifetime process. We will never come to a place where we can stop renewing our minds. For the born-again, spirit-filled child of God there is one major thing that hinders the fulfillment of the perfect will of God in their lives, and that is the human mind. Not the devil, the mind. For the born-again, spirit-filled child of God, there is one major thing 
that hinders the fulfillment of the perfect will of God in their lives, and that is the mind. Too many Christians are still conformed to the image of this world. A Christian who has been transformed by the renewing of his or her mind bases their life on the Word of God. Their feelings, experiences, or other circumstances do not change what he or she believes or how they act. The Word is their foundation and their guide. Now, this is a difficult thing for most people to grasp. Most people live in the world of opinion where their opinion is just as good as anybody else's opinion. In fact, we live in a world of opinion polls, a world where politicians do and say everything they do and say based on the results of opinion polls. We have been trained for so long <clears throat> to base our lives on how we feel or what we have experienced that it becomes very difficult to retrain someone to lead a word-based life. I was reading just last month a famous minister saying, there's no point in saying in a sermon the Bible says because people don't care anymore. Well, I could care less. Amen. My job is to tell y'all what God has said. Let him who has ears to hear, hear, and let him who has eyes to see, see. My good news on this Saturday lunch is that if you will conform your thinking to what God has said in his word, then you take the brakes off your life and you take the limits off your life. Amen. We have been trained for so long to base our lives on how we feel or what we have experienced that it becomes very difficult to retrain someone to lead a word-based life. When people let their feelings or their experiences or their opinions be the Lord of their life, all Satan has to do to defeat them is hand them a few negative experiences or defeats or criticisms. The renewed mind stays with the Bible no matter what. I said the renewed mind stays stays with the Bible no matter what. The renewed mind believes, speaks, and acts upon what God has said in his word. The renewed mind doesn't. Listen, you might say, man, this, this sounds kind of stern. This, this sounds like, you know, like we're watching some kind of standing tall movie in slow motion. Listen, if you go by what this world says, you will not even know tomorrow morning when you wake up whether you're a man or a woman. I'm telling you, brothers, but when you build your life on the written word of God, you become unshakable. You become like God himself. And if I've learned anything in my short time on this planet, it is this. God does not lie, and God will stand by his word. The renewed mind believes, speaks, and acts upon what God has said in his word. See, in other words, what's going on over here doesn't matter. What's going on over here in my peripheral vision doesn't matter. What CNN says, MSNBC, none of that matters. I'm not living my life. I'm not living my life by what is going on around me. I mean, if we have learned anything in the last three years, they will lie, lie, and then they will keep lying. The renewed mind does not argue with God or offer up opinions as if we were God's equal. The greatest healing evangelist of the 19th century, Smith Wigglesworth, once said, I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm only moved by what I believe. And what I believe is the word of God. Amen. Matthew 12, 35. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. But the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. Good things do not fall on people from out of the sky. People bring them forth, and the way you bring them forth is by growing. You grow by renewing your mind, changing the way you think, and making God's thoughts your thoughts. We actually have been given the power by God to set our own course in life, 
by the things we do, by the actions we take. Therefore, let us learn what we must do in order to be successful. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 12, 35, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. So let me ask you, where do good things come from? The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. So where do good, where do good things come from? The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. Jesus said you have to bring forth the good things. And how do we do that? By getting some good things down in our hearts. You can change your circumstances if you can change your vision. And you can change your vision if you can see and believe in the power of your heart from the Word of God. You make the vision, then the vision makes you. You decide what goes into your heart. You decide what you're going to believe, how you're going to think, how you're going to see life. You decide whether you're going to see opportunities or problems, unemployment or employment, poverty or prosperity, sickness or health. You make the vision, then the vision makes you. What you take into your heart, what you believe, and what you see begins to control how you think and how you live. Let me repeat that. What you take into your heart, what you believe, and what you see begins to control how you think and how you live. Gentlemen, what is in your heart is controlling the experiences of your life. That is the message. What is in your heart is controlling the experiences of your life. It's not the other way around. Most people believe that it is the experiences of their life that controls what is in their heart. Someone did me wrong, so I'm bitter. My wife did thus and so, and so I'm angry. I can't get a raise at work, so I hate those people. Most people believe that it is the experiences of their life that controls what is in their heart. No, 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 no. What is in your heart is controlling the experiences of your life. The good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth peace and love and faith and prosperity for his family. The good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things, but the man who has a bad treasure in his heart brings forth strife and fear and sickness and poverty into his family. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. Now, the world chases, and worldly Christians also chase, but the man of faith brings forth. I said all of that to get here. The world chases, and worldly Christians chase, but the man of God brings forth. In Matthew 6, we have a principle of prosperity in verses 19 to 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Then in Matthew 6, Jesus talks about the importance of gates, the importance of information gates in our lives. In verses 22 and 23, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What's he talking about in verses 22 and 23? He's talking about gates. He's talking about your eye gates. And he's talking about your ear gates. Your life is going to end up being what you're watching and what you're listening to. This is why Jesus said in Luke 8, 18, consider carefully how you listen. In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus tells us that a man simply cannot serve both God and money, the world system of money. No one can serve two masters. 
Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. <clears throat> you cannot serve both God and mammon. Everyone at Faith Christian Center should understand verse 24. And then in Matthew 6, 25 to 31, Jesus tells us not to worry and why we don't have to worry. But I got to tell you, when I was a young man, I really had trouble with verses 25 to 31. I thought, who could possibly live like that? Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? I mean, when I was a young man, I had trouble with these verses, but I got to tell you now, at the age of 67, I'm there without lifting a finger. All good things come to me. Whether I pray about it or not, all good things come to me. No pushing, no pulling, no chasing, no manipulating, no shoving, no worrying. All good things come to me now. How is that possible? Well, the next verse, verse 32, which tells us what the world does and what worldly Christians do. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. When you come across a Christian and they're chasing tail or chasing money or whatever they're chasing, they are not, they have not renewed their minds to the word of God. And they're in the world system, the mammon system, the worldly way of chasing. But the good man brings forth good things out of the good stored up in him. If you have prosperity in your heart, you don't have to worry about prosperity in the bank account. Hallelujah. It's what you build into yourself. See, and this fatherless generation, we have all this crime going on and nobody wants to deal with the reality. It's all the fatherless. It's all these broken homes. It's children running wild with no father in the house. Now a lousy father can be near, nearly as bad. But what I'm saying is there has got to be a building of men. And we don't see it in the culture, and that's why here at Faith Christian Center, I got to do my job, and then, whether you like it or not, I got to do your father's job. Because your father might not have been there, and your father might not have done his job. You build the man, and then the man will build the society, and we've lost that. We're not building men. I am preaching here at Faith Christian Center that you can be a man and you can be a Christian and you can be a godly man and you can be a successful man and you can live for God and you can prosper. Amen. For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. See, the world chases, and worldly Christians chase. But the man of faith brings forth. Say it out loud. The world chases, world chases. and worldly Christians chase. World Christians chase. But, the but the man of faith brings forth. Brings forth. Amen. Then the next verse in Matthew 6, Jesus gives us the principle for prosperity. It was true in the Old Testament, but most never saw it. And it's true in the New Testament, and most have never seen it. 
but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And after giving us the principle for prosperity in Matthew 6, 33, then he can say in the next verse, verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I wish I had known this decade sooner how I could have lived my life in greater peace. And then the principle for prosperity, again, the principle for prosperity in verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So my brothers, it is all about the word. I know people think I'm old, or at least I'm old school when I say things like, it's all about the word, but it is. Jesus said, heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will never pass away. On one occasion, Jesus praying said to Father God, Father, thy word is truth. You know that what the world's spouting is a lie because it changes every 24 hours. But it is all about the word. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was, was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. But the light shines in the darkness. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And we find out that Jesus is God. Jesus is the Son of God. And before Jesus was known as the Son of God, his name was the Word of God. And here we find out that Jesus, the Word of God, created all things. Now we see this again in Revelation 19.11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses <clears throat> and dressed in fine linen, white and clean, that's you and me. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron he will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh he has this name written: King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus is the Word, and the Word is Jesus, and the Word is God. And we are to love him, and we are to love his word. Now, this generation of Christians is trying to love Jesus and hate the Bible. They are false. They are deceived. For Jesus and the Word are one and the same. To love one is to love the other, and to hate one is to hate both. In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And this is a quotation from Deuteronomy 8, 3. Man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Another saying of Jesus in this regard is in Mark 12, 28 to 31. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answer, Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now, one of these modern, former word of faith apostates actually made fun of these words of Jesus on national television. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And he mocked the words of Jesus and said, who can do that? Well, you know who can do that? Someone who loves Jesus more than Obama. 
And you know who can do that? Someone who loves Jesus more than Trump. And you know who can do that? Someone who loves Jesus more than Biden. And that ought to be easy to do. Mark 12, 28 is a quotation from Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. So no half measures, no toes in the water, no trying it, no all in, all in, all in, all in. And notice that Moses continues with an exhortation on how this love for God should be taught to our children and our grandchildren. These modern, the modern church has completely missed this. Deuteronomy 6, 6 to 9, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Why? Because it is the word that is important. If you have not figured it out, everything is changing. Everything but the word of God is changing. Now, as a side note, if the Old Testament is worthless, why did Jesus quote from it all the time? Yes, it's about the word because the word is Jesus and Jesus is the word and the word is God. They are all one and the same. You cannot love the one and hate the other, and to hate either is to hate both. And I don't want to get into it this afternoon, but if you will go home and study Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 8, you will discover that these exhortations to love the Lord your God lead to prosperity. We have entirely too many Christians today who love the benefits of the covenant, including prosperity and healing, but they don't love the covenant itself, which is in fact the word of God, which is in fact Jesus himself, which is in fact God. We have entirely too many Christians today who love the benefits of the covenant, including prosperity and healing, but they don't love the terms of the covenant. And the terms were in fact laid down by Jesus Christ, who is the word and is in fact God. So we're talking about covenant living. We're talking about going all in with God. No half measures. <laughs> you know, I was going to ask, how many of y'all used to be alcoholics? But I won't do that. <laughs> Those of you who were alcoholics, were you, were you a half measure alcoholic? Or were you all in? And those of you that were drug addicts, were you a half-measure drug addict or were you all in? Well, why can't we do that for God? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Why cannot we go all in with God and see what God will do? Amen. You got nothing else to do. Amen. Amen. One distinctive of Faith Christian Center is we teach covenant living going all in with God and just seeing what God will do. How can any Christian live the covenant lifestyle? Well, get what you believe and what you say and what you do all lined up and moving in the same direction. Joshua 1.8, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. So get what you believe and what you say and what you do all lined up and moving in the same direction. If you do that, your life, your faith, and your house will stand the test of time. Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles, then I will tell them plainly, away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall 
because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So get what you believe and what you say and what you do all lined up and moving in the same direction. In Luke eleven twenty seven, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So get what you believe and what you say and what you do all lined up and moving in the same direction. 1 Peter 1.22, Peter wrote, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. So get what you believe and get what you say and get what you do all lined up and moving in the same direction. In 1 John 3.21, John writes, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we obey His commands and do what pleases Him. So get what you believe and what you say and what you do all lined up and moving in the same direction. And in 1 John 5, 3 and 4, John wrote, This is love for God, to obey His commands. And His commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So get what you believe and what you say and what you do all lined up and moving in the same direction. In order to walk in the abundance and prosperity of God, in order to see our dreams and our goals and our visions for this life come to pass, we must make the law of corresponding action work for us and not against us. What does this mean in practical terms? We must get our faith and our confession and our deeds, our actions, all lined up and moving in the same direction. And don't tell me something can't be done because I have done too many impossible things in my life for someone to come along now and tell me that something cannot be done. In January, after eating at Joe Stone Crab in Miami, I texted my family and said, just ate at Joe Stone Crab. When we first ate at Joe's in the mid-90s with Kenneth Hagen Sr., the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, we could never have imagined we'd eat there two decades later after giving $8 million into the gospel. No wonder Jesus said, have, have faith in God. If only people would do it instead of try it or theorize about it or complain about it. And then I texted covenant living, which far too few experience reminds me of the Denzel Washington movie, Unstoppable. Over time, the blessing of the Lord becomes a freight train a mighty moving force continually barreling forward with unbelievable momentum. First you make the man. Then the man makes the vision. Then the vision comes to the man. We ought not live our lives like this world chasing. We ought to see from the word of God that the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. My brothers in the Lord, that is what I want for you. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth.